Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Take out your notes. We're going to dig right in. And I've got a lot of content I want to walk us through. We're going to bring our series to a close uh, this week. We're calling our seat. We've been calling it Long Story Short. We've been looking at the six movements within Scripture. Here's what we've been saying, just to get everybody on the ground floor. We've been saying, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'll begin to notice some themes over and over and over again, these themes. We think there are six themes And any verse of scripture that you're looking at in the Bible will ultimately be tied to one or more of these themes. And so we've been looking at that. And today we're going to close down the series with a look one more time at one more new theme. And if you're taking notes, here's the theme. It's new creation. And here's what we're wanting to communicate in new creation. We're we're saying this simply. We're talking here about how God restores all things. Say that with me. How God restores all things. And that's the last theme that we're looking at in scripture. In other words, how God makes things new. And before I get too long, just talking about making things new, I want to show you a picture here. Look at this. There you have it. There you have it. Let me introduce to you, uh, last night and then today, this is Redding Lanier, family names, Redding Lanier Stewart. He was born on June 1st, 104 in the morning, after a lot of work on Katie's part, okay? And in fact, if you go back to those pictures there, there's one other picture. I want to show you the picture of Eric. Look at Eric. He looks worn out. I want to go, you were just a bystander, man. So there you go. But look at, uh, look at them. We, uh, Beth and I had a privilege of going over last night, praying for them as a couple. And oh, it's so, it's so exciting. Our church is growing in a lot of different ways, right? And I uh, just want to share that with you. But uh, we're talking about how God restores and makes things new. And I want to pick up today, we're going to look at the last book of the Bible. We're going to look in the book of Revelation. This is always an interesting book to look at. And I get asked if there's one book I'm asked to preach out of more than any other book, it's this book right here. And uh, the book of Revelation, we're going to read in chapter 21. I want us to look at these seven verses, and we're going to dig some content out of these seven verses. So Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1, here's what it says. Then I saw John, who is in apocalyptic vision, he's a vision about the future, he says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, interesting, the old order of things has passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? Let's pray together. Lord, would you now by your spirit uh, just come into this space and come Uh, into the spaces of anyone who is watching our service online right now. And give us, O God, a foretaste of glory. Come and, Lord, waken us up this morning. Quicken us to this deeper vision that is going on around us, one that you have provided for us through your own willingness and your own sacrifice. Speak to us about eternal things. For we pray together in the name of Christ, and everyone said, amen. I've been sharing a little bit uh, from uh, across this series about different experiences that I've had in the ministry, and I can remember uh, the first time that I went to the church that is about an hour north, First Methodist Church in Stewart, where I served as an associate. And I shared the story, I think, last week or a week before about, you know, when I went there and, and my senior pastor brought me into his office and told me that he would be gone for the next month and then basically rode out of town, you know, and, and I've had therapy for that and I'm now better and all of that. But I can remember the first time I went into the pulpit to preach in that church. There was this granite pulpit. It was in the center, kind of like this, this big austere thing. This was back in the days when I would wear a robe, if you can imagine that. And I, and I stepped up into this pulpit to speak for the first time. And some of you heard me share this story. There's a little plaque that was uh, kind of stuck to the pulpit. Somebody had taken the time to nail it uh, in or glue it onto that granite pulpit. And it simply said this. It said, with so many men speaking the things of this earth, let one stand and speak for eternity. And I can remember that. I, I just remember that being just a moment for me in the beginning of my experience, that whenever I stand in a space like this, it is really eternity that we're talking about. And all of us come into a space like this, or we come from, we're listening online, and we, we navigate to this wonderful spot, and what we want to know is about eternity. And I think that's really true, and we see it if we just sort of peel back our culture and we look in any sort of ways uh, with a different view into our culture and into our own lives, we, we can see it. And uh, I, I notice it even in our deep fascination with new things. Uh, all of us uh, are, are somewhat attracted to the idea of what is new and what is improved, Right? I remember when I was, uh, we were young, younger parents and when the girls, it would, it was either Christmas or their birthday. And, and when we were beginning in ministry, you know, you don't really get into the ministry to make a ton of money and we didn't have a lot of money and we would leverage what we had to, to provide great birthdays and great Christmases for the girls as they were growing up. And it, I used to always be somewhat disappointed whenever we would give them gifts and they would set the gift aside and they would play with the box. 
Many of us remember that as parents. That used to always just kind of frustrate me. I was like, I remember one year, it was one of the girls' birthday, I forget which one, and I said, can we not spend any money at all, and can I just bring boxes home? And Beth thought I was a horrible father to even suggest that idea. But there's this idea that we're fascinated with what is new and what is improved. I I was doing some uh, study on this, And I noticed that the top three shows on HGTV, not that I would know anything about this, (laughs) Property Brothers, Fixer Upper, and House Hunters Renovation all deal with the restoring of what has fallen into disrepair. And the story, I I know that we have a store in our culture right now uh, that's called Renovation Hardware. How many of you ever been there? Uh, we have one that's on Okeechobee Boulevard. It's right in the center of Okeechobee Boulevard. They have a restaurant there. You can go and get a hamburger there for like 45 bucks. Okay, and it just brings back all the good old days, right? When you experience that, it just feels so wonderful. But I remember when Restoration Hardware first burst onto the scene in 79. Listen to this. Its goal was to create designs and decor that took the owner back to the original idea. Isn't that interesting? There's something that's sort of wired within us where we want to experience the original design. It's almost as though we would say among ourselves that there is this sense within ourselves that we have somehow left the road. We are not where we had ultimately intended to be, and there's something that would call us back to the better nature of ourselves. We see it in all these things. We see it in deeper ways, too. I remember hearing and reading from uh, one uh, Christian writer who says this. He says, it's interesting that you don't ever have to teach children about fairness. Ever notice that? He said, there is a sense of justice that seems to come along with us as the basic makeup of the human spirit. He says, we feel it in our bones. And sometimes, every now and again, when we look at the world or we hear a story, our heart longs for things to be made right. And the deeper question plaguing all of us is, why do we feel this way? And where did this come from? And part of what I want us to think about collectively this morning as a church, and for those who are streaming the service online, is this idea of what is inside of us that longs for things to be made right. It's interesting, this one author I was reading this week goes on and he says this, he says, you fall off your bike and you break your leg, you go to the hospital and they fix it. He said, you stagger around on crutches for a while and then rather gingerly you start to walk normal again and pretty soon you've forgotten the whole thing. You're back to normal. He said, there is actually such a thing as putting the world back to rights and getting back on track. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Theologians have an idea around this. And so what I want to bring into the room this morning that we might just sort of navigate our way through for just a few moments is sort of this deeper idea. If I could just sort of peel back the opening, the artificial, the beginning layer, and go to something deeper, and that is why do we feel this way? Why is there something in us that longs for things to be made right. And those who study this sort of thing said that theologians who are trained to help us uh, know the story of God and our part in it suggest to us a reason we do this. And they suggest and they point at verses like what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 
of verse 311, where he's speaking of God and he says, God makes all things beautiful, makes everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart and no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's like all of us in a small and large ways are all trying somehow to make our way back to the original design. And so the question really becomes for us, and if you're taking notes, this is what I want us to think about. What if that's exactly what is intended to be going on? What if, what if for just a moment, this nagging sense that we have oftentimes in the interior of our lives is literally built around this idea that everything that we see, touch, taste, feel, and smell is not all there is. There's something else. And what if just for a moment, just sort of entertain me for a moment, that if what we're talking about here and we run with the theologians just for a moment or we run with what Solomon said, that the reason that is happening is that God has actually breathed into us, into our soul, into our spirit, eternity. And our hearts are never fully going to be all that they are intended to be until we welcome eternity in to our heart. See, what I want to draw you to this morning as we're bringing the series to a close, as we're kind of working through these six movements, I want to give you an alternative way to think about the world. Because when you and I leave these doors in just a few moments and we embark back into our culture and we dutifully fall in line and just sort of slog our way through everything that's going on around us, the culture is going to tell us there is a particular way that you and I should be thinking about all things. But what I want to lift up in here is an alternative view. That really when you study scripture and you, and you unearth some of these themes and you begin to look at this, you begin to notice that there's something way more profound, way deeper going on and that God is not only doing this incredible thing, but he's inviting us to be a part of it, that the world is off track and we know it, but there is coming a day when all of it will be repaired and we get to participate with God in its ultimate restoration. Someone, That's a great spot for an amen right there. It just adds all kind of meaning and purpose to our lives. This is the final grand act, culminating act in the unfolding redemptive drama of our God. It's awesome. And so what we've been looking at really is that sort of idea. We began with creation. We said creation was good. And then if you notice this idea, then we get to the what I would call in this chart here is the fall. And notice the fall goes all the way down. It was wrecked. It was ruined. There was a moment where God had to come up with another plan. And so in working us out of this plan, we notice that he, he talks about Israel. We've said that was people, where God is forming a people, and this cycle of blessing and failure and rescue. And then along comes Jesus for the ultimate rescue. Last week, we took a moment to look at the church, and that the church is not a monument we're not just stones. Nobody got my joke last week. I said, are we, are we, are we just all stone? Nobody got that. And then, um, but the Bible talks about us being living stones, having a relationship with the chief cornerstone. You get that? 
And then finally, it comes to the issue of being created new. And this is the idea that we, uh, I think we remember when we think about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, where Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, in that great prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, I just want to take just a moment and help you think uh, with me about this idea of new creation. And when we look at the idea of new creation, and when we look at the idea of this final movement, if you look closely, I, I want you to notice what God does. There are three things in three areas where God is in the restoration business of restoring and making new. And the first one is what we would call a restoration of place. A restoration of place. And uh, I like this, and I like to begin here. He says, uh, first of all, this idea in Revelations chapter 21 verse 1 and 2. If you'll notice, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There wasn't any longer a sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And we see that idea and that image there of a new place. And I and it's the idea of heaven, but, but I wonder, what I want to draw your attention to, it's not heaven the way we normally think of it. And I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but I just have to say, a lot of what we typically think about in heaven is not necessarily the fullest picture of what the scriptures actually tell us about heaven. I was doing some reading on this. Listen to this. The idea of heaven is embedded in all cultures and in all religions. Australian aborigines pictured heaven as a distant island beyond the western sky. Early Finnish people thought heaven was an island in the faraway east. Early Mexican, Peruvian, and Polynesian people that they went, thought they went to the sun or the moon after their death. Our own Native Americans believed that in the afterlife, their spirits would hunt the spirits of the buffalo on the open plain. Isn't that interesting? In the pyramids of Egypt, they would embalm bodies with maps placed beside them as guides into the future world. The Romans believed that the righteous would picnic in the Elysian fields while their horses grazed nearby. Some of us are aware that some sects of the Muslim faith believe that upon death, men who've been faithful to Allah will be welcomed into eternity by virgins catering to their every whim. And anthropological evidence suggests that in every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal way down to the core of our being that this world and what we see is not all that there is. Praise God for that. I was reading from Joel Stein, who is a, he's a writer for the LA Times, and he talks about heaven, and uh, he says this. He says, heaven is totally overrated as we understand it. It seems boring. Clouds listening to people play, uh, clouds listening to people play the harp. It should be somewhere uh, that you can't wait to go like a luxury hotel. Maybe blue skies and soft music were enough to keep people in line in the 17th century, but heaven has to step it up a bit. They're basically getting by because they only have to be better than hell. I'll take that out. I thought that'd be funny too, but... (laughs) 
Theologian N.T. Wright says it this way, despise what many people think within the Christian family and outside of it. The point of Christianity is not to go to heaven when you die. And what we learn in this passage of Scripture, it's to be a part of how God brings, watch this, heaven to earth. There's a missional aspect to this. And if you're with us, what we learned last week, it's not just sitting on in a pew, sort of absorbing everything. It's getting up, stepping out, and being a part of the grander mission of what God is wanting to do in the world, where he's literally ushering in heaven on earth. It's a restoration of place. And then, if you're taking notes this, it's a restoration of people. And we get that in verse 4, where it says this, there is coming a day when God himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. There won't be any more death, mourning, crying, or pain for the old world and all of it, uh, the, or, this order of things has passed away. This is my favorite verse to speak at every funeral. This is it. And, and some of you have heard me say this because sometimes I think when we view life, we, we view life and, and we have these experiences in life. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to drive a period into the ground and say this commemorates the ending of God's action. And God would say, instead of putting a period there, put a comma there. I'm still at work. I am restoring all things. I remember this um, is so true. I mentioned earlier my first church, and I remember attending the first sort of welcome dinner for new members at that church when, when I was just beginning in ministry. And I didn't know my senior leader very very well. That was kind of our system back then, and you just kind of got assigned, and you begin this work. And I can remember this moment where at the end, the pastor asked, he goes, are there any other questions that are in the room? And this lady who had not said anything the whole evening, a lot of us had never really seen her before. She was new to the church, and she, in a moment of great courage, sort of raised her hand, and she said, I, I, I do have a question. And, and the minute she, she raised her hand to do that, you could just feel uh, this sense of heaviness in what she was about to say. And, and, and she just said this. She goes, is it true? And my senior leader said, excuse me. And she goes, I, I just need to know. She said, is it true? Is there a moment when God is going to restore all things? And I can remember as being, being a young leader, and I'm thinking, okay, I've just sort of attached my ministry and my life to this idea, this, this concept, this leader, this person, this church. And I can remember thinking in, in real time, watching, there's a lot tied to how this guy answers this question. Because if he bumbles this question, that's saying some things to me. And so I felt like almost in a moment of solidarity, I wanted to go over and stand beside her and go, yeah. <laughs> is it all true? Is there coming a moment when God is going to restore all things? And praise God, he looked her right in the eye and he, he said, this is what he said to her, ma'am, if I didn't think that was true, I'd figure out another way to occupy my time. And I can tell you as a young leader, I just went, whew. Praise God. But here's what I know. A lot of us are here. Frankly, all of us are here. 
moment of clarity, right? And we're all saying this, you know, I've, I've got question. I've got doubt. I've got brokenness. I've got pain. I've got a phone call. <laughs> is there coming a moment when God is going to restore all things? And here's what I want you to know. It's true. It's true. The longing in your heart is there for a reason. And God ends in one more way. It's not only a a place, it's not only a people, but it's a restoration of presence. And you'll notice what he says here in verse 3. I want to say it real quick. He says, they, in essence, they will be his people and he will be their God. It's a restoration of all things. If you go back to where the story went wrong in Genesis chapter 3, you have what I think is one of the most horrific stories and moments in all of Scripture, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, where Adam and Eve are having unrestricted fellowship with God in the garden, and he would come down in the cool of the day and walk with them. Can you imagine? I I had a grandmother who used to sing this song. Maybe some some of you remember. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. My grandmother sang it to you too. (laughs) But there was a moment when God came down and he couldn't find them. And he calls out to him. You've read it. Adam, where are you? Hey, Adam, where are you? And they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they had become aware of their brokenness and their nakedness. And they hid. And the relationship with God was broken, seemingly irreparably. But here's what we want to say. From that moment, God was working a plan to bring it all back. You will be my people. I will be your God. Now, before we go on, I I just want to say one other thing. If you look at this passage of Scripture, got to say it fast, there's not just seven verses. There's eight verses. And if you look at your Bible, you'll see it. There's one more verse, and I I want to read the verse to you. It says this. Watch this. Challenging verse. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all the liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And I want to say something about this. This is conditional. The Bible says this very clearly, and I want to make, any, make sure there's no mistake in the room. It would be an abdication of my responsibilities as a pastor if I didn't tell you that contrary to popular belief in our culture, not everybody goes to heaven. They don't. 
And in a weird act of the final drama, in one sense, what, what is really going on is God ultimately, the people that don't want to be with him, here's, here's the final act of God's kindness. He lets people have what they want. And if you don't want to be with him, at the end of the day, here's what happens. He gives you what you want. But when you leave here, what I want you to think about is that we live in a culture where people can live the craziest example of a life, but then we stand up and say nice things at their funeral and everybody goes to heaven. I want to be a pastor who would speak for eternity and say, that's not a biblical idea. You have to choose. And hell is a place where none of God's presence lives. God is light. Hell, there's no light. God is community. Hell is no community. God is love. Hell is no love. So while this is so wonderful, it's sobering. And the Bible says, into this picture comes Christ. And that's why he said that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. And after supper, he said, this is my cup representing my blood shed for you so that we might remember he has fashioned a way for us to come out and to be restored. This morning, we're going to practice an open communion table. And for everyone in this space who says, I want Jesus to be my Lord, for everyone who says, I want to live in the right kind of relationship with the people who love him, for everyone who says, I, I want to walk with him in a way that brings him honor, the table is open. But here's what I want everybody to do in the space. Make your choice. There's a lot at stake. God, I thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you mean good for us. I thank you that you've done this amazing job to bring restoration of all things. And I pray in this moment, especially for those who have never said yes to you, that God, by a simple prayer of devotion, they would say, Lord Jesus, establish your kingdom in my heart. I want to be your people. I want you to be my God. You have shown that by your sacrificial life. And, and I welcome you into my life that you might lead me toward your purposes. Search and know our hearts, O oh God, as we make our commitment to you. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, our, our servers are taxing there into position. And here's what I want to say. We have a gluten-free station in the back. Step out uh, your left, my right. The table's prepared. Let's celebrate his presence. Come as you feel led. Lord, that's the song on our heart that you're making things new. And so, God, wherever we find ourselves today and whatever part of the story, Lord, we find ourselves right now, if it looks more like the fall, if it more, looks more like the endless cycle of blessing and failure and redemption, oh, God, remind us that you're pointing us toward another day and you have placed it in our heart. Let us open our hearts and be receptive to it.
and then become a part of your mission on this earth as you restore all things. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Go in his grace and we'll see you next weekend.